Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is the 14th day of November 2013. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, thank you to my live audience that I see tune in every week. And the numbers keep going up and up, so I appreciate you guys spreading the word about the broadcast. And as it said in the show information, I'm going to be getting into the Trans-Pacific Partnership for people that have listened to uh, the broadcast before, you uh, you know that this is something that we've been talking about for quite some time in the off-mainstream media that didn't really make um, light until a couple of days ago that it came out uh, in WikiLeaks that there was a portion of the gargantuan monolith craziness, um, basically corporate takeover of the planet that um, is being decided behind closed doors, much like we've talked about on this podcast since its inception. The people that you see in the public eye are just that. They are public figures. There is a reason they are called public figures, and there is a reason that they are there to distract you from doing what you should be doing, and that is not taking them at their word, researching the information for yourself, coming to your own conclusion, and then using those facts, the grammar, logic, and rhetoric, in order to surmise some semblance of a conscious awakening and a conscious experience. So that being said, before we get into all the political stuff, I would like to play a clip from Neil deGrasse Tyson that I thought would really set the mood and is really indicative of what uh, We Are Not Cattle is all about. Once again, we are all creatures on this planet that inhabit this incredible rock floating out in the middle of a galaxy in the middle of the universe, however you want to look at it, and we're part of a multiverse, and I'm going to get into a little bit of that here in a minute where they're talking about quantum physics actually proves that death, as you guys have heard me mention many times on my show before, my out-of-body experiences, um, death is just a, a piece of the pie if you will. This is just a carbon-based body. If you look at it in string theory, we are basically just in a simulation. Now, how deep does a simulation go? That's up to you to decide. How much do you want the simulation to go on? That's, once again, for you to decide. Most people have, um, from that facet of their life, I guess, have, have checked out, haven't really thought about it. They look up at the sky, they see stars, and they move on. 
Worry about how they're going to pay their bills tomorrow. Worry about, you know, um, what, what they're going to go shopping for for Christmas. Who's coming in for Thanksgiving? When so and so's flight get in? Those types of things. But here we like to delve a little deeper. We'll even get into some of the conspiratorial aspects of it, as uh, Josh Wiley likes to call it, and I think that we do need to start propagating this term, conspiratology, which is the study of conspiracies, which would be groups of human beings getting together in secret and plotting things, whether it's something as simple as rigging the stock market or something as, um, as just local as planning a surprise party. That's a conspiracy in the true definition of the word. We have to get away from these words meaning inanimate or, excuse me, modern day terminology, putting connotations on words that shouldn't actually exist. Like um, Jacob Yannicke, who might come on the show a little bit later, um, also said in, uh, in the time that we had him, where he said that it was um, that uh, gun violence, giving you giving a um, a term to associate with something that's an inanimate object that cannot do any harm by itself. It has to have the supervision of a human being. So that's what we're all about here at We Are Not Cattle, expanding your horizons. Once again, having a conversation, that's why I enjoy people calling in. That's why I enjoy having guests on the show, thought-provoking conversations. And even if I just get a little piece of it out there to you that you grab and you take away, and you run with it, or do you, you just change your change your conscious for one second? That's what we're about: changing the conscious mentality of the human species, and moving forward, and not forward in the sense of a political term, but actually moving forward, asking the questions that need to be asked, and trying to find some answers in this crazy world that we live in. So that being said, here is my clip from Neil deGrasse Tyson. And then we will uh, we will start the show. What is the most astounding fact you can share with us about the universe? The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge that the atoms that comprise life on Earth, the atoms that make up the human body, are traceable to the crucible that cooked light elements into heavy elements in their core under extreme temperatures and pressures. These stars, the high-mass ones among them, went unstable in their later years. They collapsed and then exploded, scattering their enriched guts across the galaxy. Guts made of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen and all the fundamental ingredients of life itself. These ingredients become part of gas clouds that condense, collapse, form the next generation of solar systems, stars with orbiting planets. And those planets now have the ingredients for life itself. So that when I look up at the night sky, and I know that yes, we are part of this universe, we are in this universe, but perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe is in us. When I reflect on that fact, I look up. Many people feel small because they're small and the universe is big, but I feel big. Because 
My atoms came from those stars. There's a level of connectivity. That's really what you want in life. You want to feel connected. You want to feel relevant. You want to feel like a, you're a participant in the goings-on of activities and events around you. That's precisely what we are, just by being alive. And that's it, and that's what we provoke here. Or at least we try to try to provoke, and that's to get everybody to be involved. To be involved in life, not to be involved in the in the um, the petty things that 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 Madison Avenue sells you, not to be involved in little meaningless tasks, to be involved in expanding your horizons, giving yourself a little bit more intellectual power, giving yourself weapons of intellectual defense, like we talked about when we discussed the trivium. These are the things that are going to change society. Not sit around wishing that it's going to happen. Not demonizing Democrats or Republicans. In case you haven't figured this point out yet, I'll go ahead and lay it out on the table for you. Democrats and Republicans are both bought and paid for. They are both run by the same puppet masters. And they both are financed by the same corporations. Very indicative in the last election if you look at who funded Mitt Romney and who funded Barack Obama. They were both almost funded by the exact same people. So what does that tell you? That tells, you, that tells me that big business runs America. And when you have business running the government, not the government teaming up with business, it is business running the government, it is Wall Street basically running Washington. They set the policies. I'm listening to um, Peace Revolution right now by, um, by Richard Grove, and it is Peace Revolution. I believe it's episode number five, and Richard Grove is interviewing a, a Harvard business uh, scholar that blew the whistle on Wall Street that saw the corruption and saw all these malpractice things anywhere from the um, – from the big banks all the way down the line, talking about the big investigation that they had, uh, the operation that the, um, that the FBI took on in 1999 where it arrested this, um, this group of um, – basically it was a mob, but they were all in Wall Street. So I think that that's the biggest thing that we can all rally around is that as just free human beings and individuals – I would assume that we would all want to play in a somewhat fair society. I'll have a quote-unquote fair shake, or at least a fair opportunity. But it seems like that's not being allotted to us now with a society that we live in. That's why you see pushback. I've been pushing back for um, almost two years now. It'll be two years in February since I started this broadcast. But... Um, you can go a, diff a bunch of different ways, but what I've found that, you know, through my research and through everything that I've read and tried to understand and once again removed my ego from the situation, pretending that I know everything, that's the great facade of the human species, I believe, is that we believe that we know everything. And it's just because not knowing something is scary. Because if you don't know, then you probably need to find out. 
But what we do in society now is we just go ahead and check out. We just say, oh, somebody else will worry about that. Somebody else will probably fix that. And that's where we're at now with the with all of the um, environmental issues that we have, with all of the corruption that we have in governments, not just in America, but all over the world, which is becoming blaringly obvious now. It's absolutely in your face, glowingly obvious. And Obamacare is probably the crown jewel of the scam, of the con, of the American people. Now, why do you say that, Jake? We do need socialized medicine. Well, there's, there's two arguments made. Number one, the argument is made that the more people we get into the pool, the better the system will work and the lower it will cost everybody. I would agree with that. The system that was deployed, however, I would highly disagree with. And there's a reason for it. The plan that was implemented was a plan that was drafted by a Republican congressman out of Massachusetts. There actually was a governor of Massachusetts at that time, and it was implemented, and then he ran for president. Now, I'm not saying on a localized level that we shouldn't have some form of um, medical care, but that being said, everybody basically did have medical care under the old system. The way that the system used to work is that if you didn't have care and you would go in and if you didn't have insurance, you would get charity care. But that's been done away with. And we're also finding little, uh, a couple of little surprises every now and then regarding Obamacare, like the new thing that came out now, that um, 5% of all homeowner sales, and I haven't verified this, but this is coming from a couple of different credible sources, so I'll go ahead and go out on a limb and say it, and if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But 5% of all homeowner sales will go to help of funding Obamacare. So it is a massive, massive undertaking that they have drawn up all these different um, special interest groups and other um, commercialized interests and congressional interests. And they got this legislation passed, and now it's starting to all crumble in front of their face. And what do they do? Well, now it's the blame game. It's the I don't know game. And... Politicians are very good at this, much like CEOs, they play the plausible deniability game, which the plausible deniability game, for those of you that don't know, plausible deniability is if something happens underneath your watch and you didn't know about it, then you can legally go into court and say that you had no idea that this was going on. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you work at a, um, let's say you're a fisherman and you actually run the fishing boat. And for a while, you run the fishing boat with a crew, but then you start making more and more money, and you decide to open a shop. Well, what you do is you just send your fishing crew out there that you've been working with for years to go out and do your fishing for you. And you're not supposed to fish in these certain you know, designated areas because of over, overfishing, which is a big problem in our seas currently. So that they don't go to these specific areas. Well... You're running the shop. Meanwhile, all of these fish keep flooding in just like it did before, and all you're doing is selling the fish. You have no idea what goes on in the boat. You check in with the guys. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Everything going well? Yes, everything's going great. So every time they come in, they bring fish. You're just thinking that business is just really good. Well, all of a sudden, the EPA or some other agency comes by and says, we noticed that you've been fishing in these waters that are protected. 
So the owner of the shop can then say that he has plausible deniability because he wasn't on the boat, wasn't briefed about what was going on on the boat, looked at the logs, all the logs look good. He has plausible deniability that he knew what was going on. And this is how Washington, D.C. and big business, especially big banks, this is how they all operate. With this um, segmented group, it's basically a pyramidal structure. If you've ever studied marketing or management, you understand this, the pyramid structure. And if you're at the top of the pyramid, you just basically have your underlings do all the work and you worry about the three, five, and 10, 20-year plans. So now that Obamacare has come to a crashing halt on the American economy, the American people are now looking at their quote-unquote leaders, which you should never refer to them as leaders. They were always elected officials. They are not leaders. They are not there to lead you anywhere. They're there to do the work of the people. So that's why on Facebook today I wrote a long diatribe about not being affiliated with the GOP or any other political party because it's all bought and paid for. And if you haven't figured out that Washington's all bought and paid for now, then I'm sorry, but you need to take a long look in the mirror because that's the only thing that you can really change is your perspective. So that being said, uh, joining me now, I believe this is him. Um, Jake, uh, is this you, buddy? You got it. Hey, man, what's going on? I'm going to turn this uh, background music down because it's a little bit loud. It might be a little bit loud on your end. But um, you guys are are familiar with who Jacob is. Jacob Yannicki, um he and I have done a podcast or two before. But um, I'm glad I got you on, man. There's a lot of um, interesting developments here. And um, I don't know, what do you make of all this um, Obamacare stuff? I, I knew, um, or I'm going to assume that you knew that this was a, a big screw job from, from the big corporations. But um, did you have any insight or inkling of how big of a screw job this was going to be and how big of a um, how big of a cluster you know what this was going to be through implementation? Or are we both just kind of enamored at the, um, I guess, the incompetency of government? I mean, of course we're always enamored by that. I mean, <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to stop. Uh, it just seems to ha- have no bounds, right? Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah, I think I think you touched on it, and uh, and I think you covered it quite well. Sometimes I wonder if there's like there's an arbitrary like figure in like the approval polls where everyone in the media and all the people that were once like uh, adamant uh, supporters of Obama, no matter what, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. uh, even those individuals now are like, nope, we're getting off this ship. As soon yeah. as, now now everybody's off the train. It's like I'm wondering if there's like a percentage where they're like, all right, now we can now we can just blame it all on him because uh, uh, we're we're done trying to protect him because the public isn't isn't buying it anymore. So let's let's just uh, let's trash so him. So it's just like we'll, a, we'll a, yeah, forward. it's just a yeah, it's just so like a burn. Talking, we'll start talking about this next. Uh, now let's start talking about this uh, next individual that's supposed to be this. You know, I mean, and they do it on the GOP side too, with the the cruises and the Rand Pauls, where, you know, well, this is our new, you know, extreme hero that you guys should support because they're, you know, because they're just not willing to put up with the other side's crap like, like the other ones. They, even though I don't know, everyone seems to kind of uh, get behind uh, uh, the New Jersey governor uh, Christie, but it, it, it's crazy, man. I, sometimes I just wonder if it's all. Uh, uh, scripted beforehand, uh, <laughs> or what? No, I would, um, I would, I would lean more towards that than I would that you know are going and mashing buttons, as they say here in Georgia. Are going and mashing buttons on election day has any 
any inkling as to what really goes on behind the scenes and what really happens in in all of these elections. So there's there's too many quote unquote coincidences to happen in order for these things to to just kind of manifest in front of us. Just you know, once again, I, I would go back to what Robert Wasman said, and it really made me think that night where he said this, and that was. You know, history is usually a, a cause and effect scenario. You know, we would like to believe that it's some, you know, nebulous force and that all of a sudden um, a, a meteorite comes in and strikes us, but that's not the way that it is. There's a cause and an effect. Well, the cause is there's, a, there's an asteroid on a trajectory for Earth, and if it continues on that trajectory, it's going to impact Earth. And then the effect is the impact. So... And then we look at that as, oh my gosh, the heavens are raining down, which in reality, it would uh, it would say state otherwise, and that, like you said, it would be a more of a predetermined, preplanned uh, thing. And that's why I get really nervous when I see people like Chris Christie, who's probably the biggest Democrat Republican I've ever seen in my life, um, buddy playing buddy buddy with the power structure and and getting all these photo ops with Obama. It's almost like um, it's almost like before 9/11 how they preconditioned everybody to to know that Osama bin Laden was the bad guy and this is who the fall guy is going to be. It's kind of like that they're now gearing up the machine, especially if you understand who owns these these rags like Time Magazine and New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. It's like they're all lining up behind Christie, like he's going to be the the new savior. And um, yeah, I would um, I would lean towards scripted man. That's just me. Yeah. And that's not a tinfoil hat. That's just looking at the reality of the situation. I mean, people look at the reality of the situation. The damn former head of the CIA was your president, and nobody saw that, and nobody said anything about that. How stupid do you have to be? Really, how stupid do you have to be? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk down to my audience, but... Well, no, the, but, it, but there's, there's, there's a point I think that you're kind of making at the deeper point is that there needs to be, we need to be accountable. And, and, and even though, you know, there, there are these, uh, these uh, predetermined factors, it still is ultimately coming down to uh, an element of, of free choice and free will, and you have to be held accountable for the choices that we make. And so... So we, we, you know, and we're part of it as well, and we we have to hold ourselves accountable for for what we do, and I think that's you know why we contribute to the liberty movement like we do because we we don't want to look back on ourselves and and be the be the individuals where we felt like we just checked out and uh, and we push the blame off like they're pushing the blame off on someone who they thought was uh, you know whatever the next messiah or whatever people made out Obama to be you know. Sure, but it's um it's almost like the the bandwagon fallacy is what happened with Obama. I mean, it was a, it was a complete culture of um it was a it was a culture of we can do it in getting getting to the lowest common denominator. It really came down to race, and it came down to people feeling good about doing something that they believed was the right thing to do. Not to say that it wasn't um, showing great strides both intellectually and um, from a sociological perspective. You know, looking at America and our history, and you know, much like every other country's history of you know slaves and and everything like that. It, it was a it was a big testament to what we were to what we did. But 
I think that what happened was most people missed the substance. They got caught up with the glitz and the glamour, much like that's going on currently, and um, they just kind of um, they fell in love with the uh, the bandwagon effect. Yeah, well, they, and they fell in love with the external and and not the true internal issues. Although it's important as a as like you said, a socio uh, sociological point to be made that you know it's not a white president this time. It, it, that's you know that that should be your determining factor, obviously. Um, but it was for all too many. You know, the, the surface level is is all too often the thing that is the determining factor and not a true. Um, you know, standpoint, a moral standpoint, or whatever you want to say, ethical standpoint. Sure. Okay, well, I've got a couple of articles that I want to touch on, and I do want to leave the um, the physics for the end, but that is, um, that's one that I'm probably going to leave about 15 or 20 minutes for us to kind of go over, because uh, just the significance of somebody coming out and saying stuff, and which have been backed up by a bunch of different... Um, you know, people that study quantum physics and have studied the multiverse, which is which is a very interesting read. And then I can, you know, obviously give my perspective on it. Uh, Jacob, I'm sure you can give your perspective on it. Not to say that we're, you know, masters of the universe or anything. But um, we have to, at some point, once again, uh, the the greatest thing that I can share with my audience is the... Um, the ability to tell yourself that you don't know something. I think that is the most fascinating. It seems very simple. It's the most fascinating aspect of human um, intelligence I've ever seen, and that's most people will lie and deny that they don't know something for fear of coming off as stupid, where in the fact that if you say that you know something and you don't, or you haven't researched it, or you don't have all the facts, and then say that you, oh, yes, oh, I I know exactly what you're talking about, then that just makes you look even more pathetic. But we're not striving for beating people down. We're striving for enlightenment here. So my biggest trick is to convince myself that I don't know anything. It's like when I was watching the, um, the Ultimate History lesson with John Taylor Gatto, what he said was, Every day, in order to get smarter, he would think about the things that he was most certain of and then try to disprove those things. Because he said nine times out of ten, the things that you are most certain of, there's a perspective that you haven't seen or haven't even thought of before that will come out as soon as you start to research it. And then your consciousness, and you and I talk about this a lot off, off air, but your consciousness expands. So that's what we really look for is here is the expansion of consciousness, the human connectivity, the human intellect, as well as the collective intellect that we can all share with one another, which is why I think the control grid is so fascinating and um, a double-edged sword, which is, of course, it can be used to spy on us and surveil us, and that's what it's used for now. But it can also be hijacked in the fact that we can all create sort of a hive mind and a hive being which would allow us to comprehend things that we could never comprehend on our own. So, you know, that being said, let's go ahead and move into um, one, of, one of these articles, and it is regarding the Trans-Pacific Partnership, everybody. And this was actually posted by Washington's blog, and it's called Treaty Leak, Worse Than SOPA and ACTA. 
And um, for those of you that don't know, um, SOPA and ACTA were um, – they were basically treaties to let governments control the Internet and censor the Internet. And if you got three strikes on under these so-called acts, then you were actually um, eliminated from the Internet forever. So it was complete Hitlerian control over the Internet because – once again, the slave masters don't want the people on the plantation to have the information because if we have the information and can vet the information, then we can start organizing and start finding different ways around these mechanisms or change the mechanisms themselves. But they're so entrenched with making money and stealing and robbing people and, and living in a luxury condo and driving a super fast car that they could give two flying rips about what happens to people in Africa as long as they've got their trinkets. So as long as they got their, what is it called, their, um, their, their pound of silver or whatever it's called, their, their trinkets, they're more than happy. So anyway, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to let um, Jacob comment on this, and then we'll, we'll have a brief discussion on the Trans-Pacific Partnership and how loving and good it probably is for everybody. And it says, um, as we noted last year, the international treaty being negotiated in secret, which would not only crack down on the Internet privacy, much more than SOPA or ACTA, but would actually destroy the sovereignty of the United States and all of other signatories. It was called the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We also noted that even congressmen were furious that the bill was being kept secret from the American public. Shocker. And the TP. Oh, by the way, have you guys heard about this on Fox, CNN, uh, MSNBC? No, didn't think so. We also noted that congressmen are fear. Oh, excuse me, went backtrack. The TPP is an anti-American power grab by the big corporations. WikiLeaks has now leaked the intellectual property chapter of the secret treaty, and it's as bad as we had feared. It's actually worse than I thought it would ever be. But then again. Why would it surprise me if super corporations want to screw you out of your rights? Because in their, in their eyes, you're just a cash cow for them and their yachts. Public citizens explain how the TPT or TPP would limit people's access to affordable medicine. And the International Business Times explains that the TPP's chapter on IP deals with a host of issues. The political impacts of basic Internet freedom and usage are perhaps one of the ones directly impact most of the people in the short term. One of the biggest concerns about the agreement was raised by the Internet Freedom Advocacy Group, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, centers around the concept of temporary copies. Here's the text to um, here's the text in the relevant section of the TPP's intellectual property chapter that was leaked on Wednesday. Each party shall provide that authors, performers, and producers of phonograms or of so, excuse me of sonograms have the right to authorize or prohibit all reproductions of their works, performances, and sonograms in the matter or form permanently or temporary, including temporary storage in electronic form. The EFF wrote in an, a July analysis of language which has not been amended through the inter intervening months, and that the provision reveals that a profound disconnect with the reality of the modern computer, which relies on temporary copies to perform routine operations during which it may create temporary copies of programs and files in order to carry out basic functions, which is true. These people evidently don't understand how the Internet works. Uh, that was something that I added. It says, and it continues, this in particular is so, this is particularly so while a computer is connected to the Internet. 
well, when it was used to temporary copies to buffer videos, store cache files, and ensure that websites load quickly and more. Since, the since it's technically necessary to download a temporary version of everything that we see on our devices, this means that under the proposed language that anyone who ever views content on their device could potentially be found liable for infringement. And that is the end of the article. So, once again, the big shocker, mega corporations have found a way to make backdoor deals and much like... Uh, let's see, much like the um, NAFTA, much like uh, GATT, which were both used to deindustrialize the United States, saying that it was going to offer higher wages for people in Mexico. Well, we all saw how that turned out, where people working in body shops were making 25 and $30 an hour in assembly lines, and now we're reduced to you know minimum wage or a little bit more. So the idea of... Invisible lines drawn on maps by politicians does bother me, but it also bothers me that corporations and big insiders use the quote-unquote states or city-states or you know um, nations against one another as leverage, and that's what this is really getting at. So, Jacob, what do you what do you make of all this? I know that you're familiar with what the Trans-Pacific Partnership was, or at least the rumblings of it. What do you make of all this, and 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 how do we how do we you know and, and the educate the public? I mean, it's it's this, it's the sure. same thing. I mean, they're doing it on both sides. Uh, it, it, just, you know, with what you described, then there's there's a whole lot of elements to be concerned about in in these agreements. But that's certainly one that's very popular among people, and and people did a good job of of fighting back against you know those those uh, those infringements on on. Over the uh, the initial SOPA uh, and ACT, SOPA, yeah, SOPA and then they left it. They left out PIPA, which was a temporary one that got squashed before um, Aaron Schwartz got um, um, well hung himself. But if you believe that, once again, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you. Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it, you know, just any way they can create now they can create you, uh, or they can create uh, you know felons or criminals uh, with just uh, just a click. You know, you're mm -hmm. a click away from 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 being it. So it's just an expansion of the not just the police state at this point, but I mean, this would be like the police the police world. Uh, mm, absolutely, uh, it's it it is a brave new world, Jacob. It is a brave new right. world, as Aldous Huxley said. It's, and there's, there's there's so many more elements to be concerned about, and, and certainly you know what 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 it would mean for you know GMO expansion and and all sure. these other factor deals. We'll get into that briefly for people that don't know. I mean, if you're tuning into this broadcast and you're wondering what the TPP is, get into um, first. Let's break down um, a GMO would be a genetically modified organism. That means something that has either had a gene splice or that has been um, conditioned with. Um, uh, one of my favorites is Roundup Ready Soy, which is, um, if you think about that, once again, using grammar, logic, and rhetoric, it's kind of crazy. So it's basically poison-ready soy. So they could plant soybeans and then spray it with all kinds of Roundup to kill all the um, kill all the grass and, and weeds and stuff around it. But you're also basically spraying the plant itself. The plant would obviously suck up the nutrients and the Roundup from the soil. But since it's sprayed on the surface and the plant still survives, it's called Roundup Ready. 
so it would be able to live through that, and then we would get to ingest it at the end days. So talk about the uh, the GMOs and what it would do internationally so that people can have sure. an idea. Well, I mean, I mean, you've got your Monsanto and your DuPont and your Dow Chemical, and, they, and they've all done a really good job of, of sort of weakening the restriction here in the States, but in, in other in other areas in, of the world, uh, they actually have, uh, you know, legislative measures to prevent uh, this sort of tampering with uh, genetically modifying organisms uh, that people would ingest and eat. So uh, with these agreements, you know, you're just kind of creating across-the-board agreements where there's certain legislative uh, measures across the board, and then it, it weakens it in other places, and then, of course, you who's there to stand to gain but these these uh, already gigantic uh, uh, corporate entities that really, you know, are just counting, counting the dollars, you know, making it rain. Absolutely. And then if you look at who owns these entities, it typically runs back to a small sector of people. And there's charts all over the Internet. People, I would highly advise you to go look at who owns Nestle, who owns Monsanto, who owns all these large conglomerates, because that's when the wheels will start to churn, and then you'll wonder, why isn't any of the mainstream media covering this? Well, see, they've come to the point where all they care about are ratings, and they'd rather flash and dash you with somebody that you know, got caught in a, caught in a well or something very dramatic like that, rather than bring you know, real news to the table, because once again... You are not watching news anymore, everyone. You are watching infotainment. You might as well watch entertainment tonight. You will get just as much news as if you watch Fox, CNN, or any one of those other mainstream outlets. And it's not to say that they won't scatter in some real journalism every now and again, because if not, everybody would completely tune out. But we do have a segment of the population that believes that they are getting news when really all they are getting is state-run propaganda. Would you agree, Jacob? Absolutely. And then again, you know, like you're saying with the GMOs, you just look at, go go to the top, you know, go to your uh, Rupert Murdoch's and your, your other, general, you know, the other mm-hmm. owners of these, of these Warren Buffett, media I mean, and look at, yeah, yeah look, look, look into what kind of individuals those people are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I see, so, every time know, I see it, that little Geico lizard, I see Warren Buffett's face on it. It makes me want to puke. Sorry. <laughs> I know that he's like the the haven of all capitalists, but you know, when you get most of your money from banker bailouts because and, and doing dirty deals to keep, you know, pipelines out of um out of uh out of the um Americas so that you can bring all of your oil in on uh, railroad cars from China. Yeah, I don't or or from the west, I, I re- or from the east, I really don't I mean, I understand you're trying to protect right. your estate, but dude, how much money is enough money? I mean, come on. We're not we're not saying capitalism is evil. Uh, certainly not saying that. We're not saying that uh, having money is evil, but it it doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make it any easier uh, to to be moral when uh, the more you stack, the more greed uh, enters in. And, and I'm not saying that uh, you know science or genetically modifying organisms is is evil. In, right. In, uh, it all is variant upon the application, and uh, it's more of a concern of what kind of tests and what kind of oversight is is, is being done on uh, on these on these things to ensure that uh, you know we're getting safe products to to the public. And and if if the 
if the individuals or the companies aren't being responsible enough, then you know there has to be there has to be some sort of uh, either need to let the market determine the, to know these things, like you need to make it very apparent to the market, uh, which is sort of what we're trying to do here, uh, mm-hmm. and just uh, encourage people to get out there and educate themselves as to what you know what what's being put out. Right, and um, once again, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be against um, genetically modified foods. I wouldn't be against vaccines. I wouldn't be against a lot of these technologies which have been proven successful. Right. But let's be honest. Let's be honest with the side effects so that people can have all the all the cards on the table and then make an informed decision. If you want to make an informed decision, saying that, well, this um, this ear of corn right here cost me 19 cents that's genetically modified, but it might give me gut cancer in 40 years. Or I can eat this, you know, other ear of corn, which is um, which is organic, and it might cost fifty cents. Then let the person make their own choice. But I think that what we have is we have corporations and we have um, people that that are power players that want to make those decisions for us, and they they know that given the opportunity that the free market will choose other avenues rather than, once again, rather than poison or rather than something that could be, um, could be, uh, could cost you your life eventually with, with things like vaccines. Once again, not saying that all vaccine technology is bad, but go ahead, go ahead, man. Don't you think the, the accountability card plays into this factor as well? I mean, the fact that the uh, organization or the individual can say, well, look, your government failed to test for this. It's not my, you know, it's not my responsibility. Uh, we 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 made the deal with them, and they agreed to it, and they seemed to think it was fine. And then the same on the on the other elements, you know, on the other side of the shoe, you know, the government can be like, well, look at these corporations, and you can kind of see it almost play out where the Democrats sure. play that card. Well, look at these corporations, and and uh, they they buy us out, and then you know, you just kind of come back. Well, why why are you allowing yourself to be bought out? Why are you making these deals? And then it's just mm-hmm. kind of this endless blaming cycle between the two, right? I mean. Uh, right, so absolutely. It, it, it's it's in, the in a, in a free market. You would, someone would need to be accountable, right? Someone would be correct. More held, more so held accountable than being able to pass the buck off to the government. Uh, you know, the corporation could say that. Uh, well, we used your system, and it, you yeah. know, so be it. It's 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 fine. And then it's almost worse because people are forced. People can people can play the betting game and and feel the uh, the uh, all sense of comfort in that. Well, there's an entity out there that tested this or made a deal that you know that okayed this so it, it must be fine you know, I mean, yeah then once again the f uh, once again the uh, the fda and the cdc are my two favorites you know the cdc says that here here's here's a great example for you my mother was diagnosed um not diagnosed but had all the symptoms of lyme's disease about two years ago was sick for about 18 months could never get the right treatment, even went down to the Mayo Clinic. She's, um, she's got her doctorate in uh, biology, so she kept um, the tick that actually bit her. So a tick bites her. Once again, if anybody knows anything about Lyme's disease, do the, do the math for yourself. A tick bites her. She gets sick with all the symptoms of Lyme's disease, takes the tick, goes and shows it to the people, and they say, well, the CDC, and this is a quote, and this is actually in, um, in, the, um, in the magazine that I was reading. There was a big write-up on it that I was talking about on the last show with Josh Wiley um, that says, um, there are no proven cases 
in the southeast of Lyme's disease, period. It was like, okay, um, is it possible that the virus could mutate and go to a different species or a different, we're or, going, excuse me. We're going through our logical fallacies again, aren't we? <laughs> right. No, no, no. But that was, that was 100% it. Right. I was laughing at the article because I'm like, this is, this is laden with logical fallacies, Mom. I'm like, this is right. all mumbo-jumbo. And so guess what happens? All right, here's where it gets even better. A scientist that actually studies Lyme's disease, and um, he studies insect diseases, okay, comes to Fayette County, Georgia, which is the county in which my parents reside in, which is coincidentally the county in which my mom got bit by the tick in, has a tick jump off, bite him on his head, and then he develops the symptoms of Lyme's disease. And then laden throughout the article are the quote-unquote so-called experts – that all say Lyme's disease does not exist in the southeast because the CDC says so is basically what it says. And it really goes back to the point that you made on my show yeah. um, maybe weeks ago where, where you were talking about um, in, um, in Carol Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope, mm -hmm. where he talks about how you have the underlings and like the mid-level managers and so the, the mid-level managers are the, are the quote I want to make sure that I quote this correctly from you the mid-level managers are the quote unquote experts and so if the expert on this on this specific field says that it can't be so then then it must be true so in essence they all kick the can or you know pass the buck to the CDC who's the so-called expert on this you know, the, um, you know, diseases, because they are the Center for Disease Control, and obviously it's a government organization, so we know there's never going to be any mismanagement or corruption. So um, they are the authority, and they say that it's okay. Is that is that what you were saying before? And um, hopefully yeah, I, I didn't cut out. That might have been Josh. I'm not sure, but I, I get what you're saying, and, and it's just it's just everywhere you look. It seems like that's that seems to be a common theme of, of just uh, American society to to kick the can or or pass the buck, uh, how whatever uh, expression. Or you yield use, to uh, the yield to the expert. Well, you you're yeah. the you're the expert. So, all right. Well, you know, enough said about that. Well, we did cover some really good things. Speaking of experts, we are now going to cover the quantum physics. Once again, um, I have read Stephen Hawking's book, and it was um, it was actually very enlightening. And um, one of the things that I constantly remind myself of and remind other people of is that space and time are just a figment of your imaginations. They are measurements made up by human beings that couldn't think of anything else better to do. So anyway, this article comes from Mail Online, and it um, I'm going to read the whole article, and it should take me about two minutes, and Jake, you and I can comment on this for however long we want, and then if we want to run some extra time, I will extend it so people that are listening live can, um, can check it out with us or enjoy the conversation. And it says, quantum physics proves that there is an afterlife, claims a scientist. So the article goes on to say, most scientists would probably say that the concept of the afterlife is nonsense, or at very least improbable. Now, yet one expert has, says he has evidence to confirm the existence of the beyond the grave, and it lies within quantum physics. 
Robert Lanza claims that the theory of biocentrism teaches that death as we know it is an illusion created by our consciousness. And this is actually all going to stem back to what Jacob actually got me enthralled with um, months ago. So kudos to you, man. I appreciate you exposing me to this kind of info. But it says, continuing, we think life is just an activity of carbon and an admixture of molecules, and we live here for a while and then rot into the ground, the scientist said on his website. Lanza from Wake Forest University School of Medicine in North Carolina continues that humans will believe in death because we are taught that we die, and more significantly, our conscious associates life with bodies, and we know that bodies die. His theory of biocentrism, however, explains that death may just be not wait, may not be as terminal as we'd like to think. Biocentrism is classified as a theory of everything and comes from the Greek for life center. In this belief is that life and biology are the center of the relativity or excuse me, are central to reality and that life creates the universe, not the other way around. The suggestion that a person's consciousness determines the shape and size of the objects in the universe. Lanza uses an example of the way that we perceive the world around us. This is actually a question that I asked my mom when I was eight years old, and I got a kind of a whitewashed answer, and I'll bring it up to her again because it is fascinating. A person sees a blue sky and is told that the color that they're seeing is blue, but the cells in the person's brain could be changed to make that sky look green or red. And then it says, biocentrism in the afterlife. This is like a little excerpt from the article. Actually, I'm not even going to read that. I'm just going to continue on. Bottom line, you see not what is present without your consciousness, says Alanza. Our consciousness makes sense of the world. By looking at the universe in a biocentric point of view, we also, it also means space and time don't behave in hard and fast ways of our consciousness lets us, lets us do. In summary, space and time are simply tools of our mind. Absolutely, that's what Stephen Hawkins says in his book as well. Uh, once this theory about space and time being mental constructs is accepted... It means death and the idea of immortality exist in the world without spatial or linear boundaries. Similarly, um, theoretical physicists believe that there is an infinite number of universes with different variations of people and situations taking place simultaneously. It's called the multiverse. And I've got a clip to play here before we go on that as well. Lanza added that everything which we can possibly happen in occurrence at some point across these multiverses means that death can't exist in any real sense either. Lanza instead said that when we die, our life becomes a perennial flower that returns to bloom in the multiverse. He continued that life is an adventure that transcends... This guy's going to get whacked hardcore. You can't say this kind of stuff. The established will freak out. Life is an adventure that transcends our ordinary linear way of thinking. And when we die, we do not in the random billiard ball matrix, but in an inescapable life matrix. Lanza cited the famous double split experiment to claim to back up his claims. In an experiment where scientists watch a particle pass 
through two, slit bar- two slits in a barrier. The particle behaves like a bullet and goes through one slit or the other. Yet if a person watch, doesn't watch the particle, it acts like a wave. This means that it, cannot go, it can go through both sides of the slits at the same time. This demonstrates that the matter and energy can display characteristics of both waves and particles and that the behavior of the particle changes based on the person's perspective, perspection, and consciousness. So that was one of the most fascinating articles that I've read in a while. And kudos to you, man, and that's why I'm really glad that you came on the show tonight because when I saw that article, I really wanted to talk to you about it. So I do have the big toe theory. If you want me to play that clip, I can play that. What is your breakdown of um, of the article that I just read, and, and how does that affect the way that, um, I guess, that you interact? And I'm actually going to add some time here because I, I know that we're going to run over, but this is going to be a fun conversation to have. Sure. Uh, very profound article and definitely something that uh, I think you're constantly digesting. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting the shift even in the sci in the scientific community, and uh, I think what you're referring to is is the the, the big toe theory from Thomas Campbell. Um, Correct. I've got that clip. If right. if you want, we can play that a little and bit later. But go ahead. Yeah, there's definitely some correlation uh, here between the two, but it, it's interesting to see this sort of shift to Gnosticism from agnosticism, um, which you know, if you even believe agnosticism. Uh, exists. Some some people just view, you know, the the point of being uh, an atheist is that you know you have a knowledge of there being an afterlife, and that knowledge is that there's nothing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So so it's, it's kind of one of those inescapable things where you can't escape, you know, having a uh, a true, you know, philosophical. You can't truly be a nihilist or believe in nothing because even at that point. Uh, you know that is a belief system in itself. Um, so it's 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 fascinating though, and uh, you kind of know where I come from, and uh, I I come from a different uh, perspective than that. But I I can I can correlate it even to my own perspective and and see where things relate. Uh, you know from my standpoint, but it's it's I don't think it's something you, you know even these. Individuals that are looking into it uh, can even uh, stop stop batting around. I mean, they're they're going to be so constantly searching. But that that point about you know the uh, existence of of both uh, single molecule and wave point is is something that really gets your brain uh, yeah. turning. And uh, it it is while it is true that this body. Mm-hmm. Uh, will will do nothing but uh, as they say, you know, decay and uh, in the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not really what what it's about because this is that's just a shell for the consciousness. And and Thomas Campbell mm-hmm. kind of gets into that as well, and I believe that's yep. what the article is getting at as well. So I'll let yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah, it's um, well, it's um, I'm gonna um, I, I'm going to actually play a clip here from Micho. Kaku, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but he's a um, he's a theoretical physicist, and this is his take on the on the what's his name? Do you know who I'm talking about? I butchered it, no. probably. All right, well, um, it's the anybody that watches any Nova, other than Neil deGrasse Tyson, he is the um, he's the um, I guess the Asian-looking gentleman with long white hair, 
Um, sure. And he's a theoretical physicist. So here is what he um, says about the multiverse, and then we'll pick up the conversation after that because I have a couple of theories of my own for this, so this should be interesting. So here we go. That our multiverse of universes is 11-dimensional. So think of this 11-dimensional arena. And in this arena, there are bubbles, bubbles that float, and the skin of the bubble represents an entire universe. So we're like flies trapped on flypaper. We're on the skin of a bubble. It's a three-dimensional bubble. The three-dimensional bubble is expanding, and that's called the Big Bang Theory. And sometimes these bubbles can bump into each other. Sometimes they can split apart, and that, we think, is the Big Bang. So we even have a theory of the Big Bang itself. Now, you ask a question, what about the dimensions of each bubble? Well, in string theory, which is what I do for a living, that's my day job, in string theory, we can have bubbles of different dimensions. The highest dimension is 11. You cannot go beyond 11 because universes become unstable beyond 11. If I write down the theory of a 13, 15-dimensional universe, it's unstable, and it collapses down to an 11-dimensional universe. But within 11 dimensions... You can have bubbles that are three-dimensional, four-dimensional, five-dimensional. These are membranes. So for short, we call them brains. So these brains can exist in different dimensions. And let's say P represents the dimension of each bubble. So we call them P-brains. So a P-brain is a universe in different dimensions floating in a much larger arena. And this larger arena is the, uh, the hyperspace that I talked about originally. Also remember that each bubble vibrates, and each bubble vibrating creates music. The music of these membranes is the subatomic particles. Each subatomic particle represents a note on a vibrating string or vibrating membranes. So believe it or not, we now have a candidate for the mind of God that Albert Einstein wrote about for the last 30 years of his life. The mind of God in this picture would be cosmic music resonating throughout 11-dimensional hyperspace. Which is amazing, because when you look at all of the people that I consider geniuses and, and innovators of their times, like Tesla, Nikola Tesla said that if you want to think about the universe, if you want to understand how the universe works, think of it in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. So when we have modern-day astrophysicists talking about music that's created through vibration and the vibration of the universe and the galaxies, and yes, we are going down, way down the rabbit hole tonight, everybody, but enjoy. This will be fun. So when you think of it like that, what are we really? And I break this down a lot. Well, we're a bunch of cells vibrating together that form an organism that lives on a planet that's doing the exact same thing. So it's like when you look at um, – if you look at sacred geometry and the golden number and certain things like that, when you see the patterns that that keep going down, 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 as far as you can microscopically go, the pattern is still there. So the structure is an incredible um, – is an incredible feat in and of itself. So when I see a multiverse, I would think of uh, dimensions. And what I mean by dimensions, and this is where you can get into the um, the paranormal, I guess. Um, if you're not a believer in ghosts, then you've never been in a haunted house before. I am a I'm a big believer in ghosts, but I don't know 
I've never encountered a um, a malevolent spirit. I've only encountered spirits that are playful and that just want to show you that they're there. But um, I suggest that they probably live in a different multiverse, one of these bubbles that he's talking about. Whereas we, um, as arrogant as we are, believe that we're the only things that exist on this plane, and we probably are, since so we can only see, what is it? What's the visible spectrum that we can see, Jacob? I, I don't know if you know this, but I think it's only like, I think we can only see 5% of the visible spectrum. And so that being said, with all of our arrogance as humans, we typically think that this world is all there is. But it also makes me think that when he mentions the number of 11 on the multiverse, if you get into the occult, if you get into other ancient uh, theories and other ancient civilizations, they had a fascination with a couple of different numbers, and 11 was definitely one of them. And so was the number 9, and for some reason prime numbers were very impressive to these even ancient cultures. So... You know, not to get not to get too far down the rabbit hole, but uh, you wanted to comment. Go ahead, man. Yeah, well, if I could comment on eleven and the significance of eleven and the significance of him mentioning music are very interesting to me personally, being a musician. Uh, sure, me as well. There's only there's only eleven notes before you then you, you reach the octave and repeat the pattern of eleven again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going up or down scale. So that's very that's very interesting correlation that I find. And 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 so often music is sort of denoted as the the uh, form of communication that cuts quickest to emotions that display mm-hmm. emotions. Um, and as emotions are are what are nothing else but. Um, the the thing that we can't explain, you know, we can reason all the rational elements of life uh, till we're blue in the face, but we can't understand emotion, and and we can't understand, you know, we can't truly, we can't reason love. So there's there's it's it's uh, it's it's funny that he would use those terms and uh, mm-hmm. that there would be all these sort of correlations. I don't know what correlations you were talking about with numerology, but maybe you could point some of those out, but I find kind of fascinating. Yeah, if you... Um, I, I really don't want to get into all of it, but if you um, if you go to my YouTube channel and look under... Um, I think it's under my, my playlist. It's... Um, it's sure. a uh, Sacred Geometry is the, is the um, video series. Mm-hmm. And they get into the Fibonacci sequence and a bunch of other different things, and and the number um, three nine and eleven pop up very um, very frequently, and, and especially in astrological charts and things like that. So um, it's it's just interesting that that all of these things keep you know popping up. And once again, I don't I don't really believe in coincidences very much. And um, you know, with my out of body experience that I had, it's like I try to reassure people that there is something past this life and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or if you're Hindu or Buddhist or whatever your practice is, I, I, I know mm-hmm. that you I know that this is not this is not the end. It's just a it's a transfer of consciousness. Your consciousness, everything that you've felt, heard, thought about, um, seen, it all goes with you, if that makes any sense. Like when I left my body it was still 
It was still me. It was still my conscious, you know, pea brain, as he calls it. It was, um, it was still that, but it was just transformed into a different, um, into a different energy, um, energy source. So, once again, if if all of these things are hold true, if you understand the physics and and the laws, the physical laws that bind us here, um, you know, gravity is um, one of the things that's actually being explored now. In the fact that people be believe that gravity was this um, was this this thing that existed that bound things together, but now there's a theory out that um, that gravity actually has a speed, and so. That being said, we always thought that the speed of light was the fastest that you could go. But now it seems that, you know, with this, you know, with the study of dark matter and um, the study of the speed of gravity, that they're really coming up with some interesting perspectives on how the universe works, what a black hole is. Because if you think about it, a black hole, no light exists. So what is a black hole? Well, a black hole is an example of a high concentration of gravity or high-speed gravity, so therefore no light can escape. And that's very elementary, you know, me boiling it down because there's been – I've watched numerous videos and, and lectures on that stuff, and it's very fascinating. But once again, we have to keep an open mind that even – what was it? Um, not even a couple of thousand years ago? couple of hundred years ago that humans believed that the earth was flat so if we can think of once again hubble ourselves and and understand that you know eventually we thought that this this whole spectrum and thing that we lived in was just this one flat piece of land and that's all that it really was and now we know so much more than we did then and i love the people that argue that the mayans knew more about astrophysics than we do today that's actually just some absolute nonsense and the Egyptians and stuff like that. Although it is fascinating how much they knew, it's nowhere close to <laughs> nowhere close to what we know from modern day astrophysics. But you know, um, you got any other uh, any other comments to make before we uh, before we wrap this show up, man? Negative. Uh, you know, I would say just keep thinking critically, like we always try to encourage and. You know, I wish, you know, I bet, you know, there's people, probably people out there listening that uh, might even think that we're hypocritical or lecturing from a certain degree, and we do get on our soapboxes with our own opinions and beliefs from time to time, but uh, I would encourage those individuals to do nothing but uh, engage in the dialogue, and uh, maybe we can pick uh, each other's brains, and I've seen you do it uh, with uh, different people that you've brought on here that, you know, haven't been uh, 100% on board with maybe the libertarian uh, philosophies or movements, but uh, mm-hmm. it's always interesting. I always come out, uh, or at least I always come out on the other end feeling like I got more out of those those uh, conversations. So. Right, and it's just, um, once again, I, I'm not um, arrogant enough to, to believe that I have all the answers, but at least I... I can I can attempt to attempt to have a dialogue with somebody and and pick their brain and and find you know little portions of what they they deem in their reality as being important or you know the views that they have as being you know somewhat succinct and then I can look at their views and analyze them and say that well you know that uh, I never thought of it that way and I think that that would be a good takeaway from the episode everybody is just to um Think critically, like uh, like Jacob said, and um, you know, inform yourself and arm yourself with uh, the trivium um, and uh, logical fallacies, and 
arm yourself with um, weapons of intellectual self-defense so that we're not being uh, propagandized and you're not getting sucked into the matrix, so to speak. And uh, you can really have a, um, an interesting perspective on the world, not to say that anybody's got a right one or a wrong one. Just make sure that, that your perspective is your own and that, um, that you minimize the amount of uh, influence that the outside world has on your specific life and um, and how you live it because I think that's one of the things we run into here in America. The the Jones effect is very is very prominent in America where everybody's trying to keep up with everyone else and that's you know permeated by popular culture where um, nobody should be able to tell you how to live your life and what to do with it and and how to raise your kids and and how to do whatever it is that you want to do with your life. That's up to you. It's your own individual choice and you choose to live it just. Unfortunately, we live in a society where there are certain ground rules that we have to abide by. So if you stick within the, the ground rules of society and you live your life as free and as, and as true to yourself as you can be, then um, you really can't go wrong. So thanks again for Jacob Yannicki for joining me on the podcast tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Um, spread the word about the broadcast, and uh, let's start spreading um, intellectual knowledge and truth to everyone. And and change the paradigm, everybody. Take care. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.